Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. chapter 9 we're going to be in verses 14 today but you remember Jesus he's actually they're trying to kill him he walks out of the crowd at the end of chapter 8 because he said that he was equal with God he said before Abraham was I am and he walks out of the crowd and as he passed by as they're trying to kill him he passes out of the crowd and as he passes by he sees a blind man blind from birth. The disciples say, which man sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? And remember they thought that all sin, which all sin does, all blindness, excuse me, all sickness originates from sin, but not necessarily our personal sin, but it came from Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden. And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. He goes on and, and we see the fact that Jesus makes mud and uh, makes clay and spits on the ground and he puts it on the man's eyes and he sends him to the pool of Siloam, which could be translated Shiloh. In other words, go to the Messiah and be healed. Because that's what that Shiloh, that Siloam meant. Go to Shiloh, go to the Messiah, and he sent him to Messiah, which he was the Messiah, but the pool was named Messiah, Shalom. He says, go be healed by the Messiah. He goes, he washes his eyes, he's healed, and he comes back seeing. And then we see that the fact that they start asking him, how, how are you healed? And he says, a man named Jesus he anointed my eyes with clay and he told me to go wash and I received this, received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. And so they take him to the Pharisees because of this unusual incident. We don't know if this is a formal inquiry or they're just taking him because something has been done that wasn't supposed to be done on the Sabbath. But all we know is they take this man to the Pharisees and we'll start in verse 14. It says, Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How could a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. Then they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight 
until they called the parents of him who received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. We'll stop right there and see how far we get this morning. We, we come back to the fact that the man that was blind, they take him to the Pharisees, and then we find out the kicker. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus healed his eyes. Uh, he made the clay. Remember, I've told you all in the past all the crazy rules and crazy regulations the Pharisees had. If there was a rule said don't, don't get within 50 feet of something, they'd make a hundred more rules that would keep you a thousand feet away from it. Basically, that's what they would do. And so they had rule upon rule upon rule upon rule, and they didn't even understand their own rules. And one of the rules was you could not spit on the ground on the Sabbath, because if you spit on the ground, you were making clay, and that was against, the, against their law, because that was work. Now, isn't that crazy? But that's what they said. That's what they believed. And they had many, 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 many hundreds of laws like that. The Pharisees came up with 630-something laws in addition to what Jesus, what God has given us in the Old Testament. They added about another 600-something. So basically they doubled it. One man said he studied just one little old section on the Sabbath about the do's and the don'ts. And it took him two years to go through that. And he didn't even understand what he, what he read. They wrote all these laws and they made them up and they didn't even know what they meant by them. And there was always this controversy going on. What can you do on the Sabbath and what can't you do? That's why Jesus said to the folks, He said, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law. In other words, he said that y'all don't really have the law anymore because y'all have added all these extra rules, all these extra regulations, and y'all not even keeping God's law anymore because it has become man's law, man's customs, man's traditions, and you're not even keeping the law. Jesus would tell them in that same area, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And the reason he would say that is because they had laid so many rules, so many regulations, so many do's and so many don'ts on the people that they had no clue what they were supposed to do anymore. You know, it was like years ago I worked at a company and, and they had the rules about what you could wear on Fridays and they called it Casual Friday. And uh, they had all these rules about what you could wear and what you couldn't wear. And it was so difficult to understand. You know what I did? I just wore my regular shirt and tie and dressed up like I always did on Friday because it was easier just to dress up and look nice and to try to figure out what, they, what I really could wear and what I couldn't wear. And that's the way it was with the Pharisees as they had made it so difficult 
that nobody really knew what they were supposed to do and what they weren't supposed to do. As we look at this, they are going to confront this man. And so it says in verse 16, he says, Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God. And because he does not keep the Sabbath. And so notice the Pharisees say this man, they don't even acknowledge that he claims to be the Messiah, he claims to be the Christ. But they say this man, and they say he's not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. They basically, when they get to the next verse, they said, others said, how could a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So remember Jesus is always causing controversy. Because you know what Jesus said? I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. In other words, He came to bring division between truth and error. Between the holiness of God and the unrighteousness of man. And when we stand up for what's right, there's always going to be division. There's always going to be controversy. Uh, all you got to do is is walk down the street and start telling folks there's only one way to heaven. That's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And next thing you know, you're going to have a big problem on your hands. Because a lot of people will say, yeah, I like Jesus, and this, that, and the other. But... But they won't say, they'll say that's uh, narrow minded, that's bigoted, that's hateful to say that Jesus is the only way. And these Pharisees, remember, they, they uh, have been trying to kill Jesus several times. They've attacked him verbally, they've abused him and used him. And they say, this man cannot be from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Now, he keeps the Sabbath in his way. And one of the reasons Jesus healed this man, think about it. What is the what was the Sabbath supposed to be all about anyway? Rest, right? The Bible says that God made the Sabbath for man. He didn't make it for himself, he made it for man. And he made it so that man could rest, man could be healed, man could get that necessary day of rest in bodily healing because I don't know about you if you've ever worked seven days a week for any period of time what happens you, you very shortly you're in bad shape aren't you because your body is not meant to go and go and go and go and so what better day to heal this man on the day of rest the day for healing the day for resting because the day of Sabbath the day of rest that you spend time reflecting and meditating on God and spending time with God and enjoying God, that is the day that, that we're supposed to take it easy and rest up and let our bodies heal. Let them come back to where they're supposed to be. Because if we go, 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 go all the time, our bodies fall apart. You know, one man I read a while back, he says, you know, if, a, if you blow your engine in your car, you can just change the engine. But when you blow up your body and mess it up because you've overworked it and overdone, there's nothing you can really do about it, right? You've just messed yourself up. And we got a lot of folks, what they call that? They used to call that that yuppie syndrome or whatever it was. These people working all the time and then they just kind of destroyed their bodies. 
and their bodies never were able to really have a good immune system and be healthy from that point on. He heals this man, and instead of jumping up and down, like I said before, with joy, these people, they're attacking him and they're attacking Jesus, and they said, this man isn't from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. And others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? They have decided he's not the Messiah, he's not the Savior, but he's a sinner. And he says there was division among them. So one group says, well, he's not from God. And some of them are thinking, well, you know, who is this guy? Because, you know, he's healed this guy and he did give him new eyes. But... Others say he's a sinner, and then there was division. So there's that division. So what do they do? They go to the blind man again, and they say again to him. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? They're they're trying to get an answer from this blind man, which didn't know anything. He hasn't even seen Jesus. Jesus just healed him told him to go put clay on his eyes, told him to go wash, and then Jesus is gone. He hasn't seen Jesus. He doesn't really know anything about Jesus, hardly except for he's a man. But guess what? His eyes are starting to be opened a little bit. Because guess what he says? He said, he is a prophet. First he says he's a man. Now he says he's a prophet. Because guess what? The Old Testament prophets, they could heal people. They did miracles. They did some signs. They did some wonders. But then look what he says in verse 18. But the Jews. Notice that word Jews. Remember that word Jews when Jesus uses the word Jews. He uses it as a derogatory term. He's speaking about the people who hate Jesus. The people who want to kill Jesus. And almost every time John uses it in his gospel, he's speaking about the people who want to kill Jesus, who do not like his signs, do not like his wonders, do not like his miracles, because guess what? They're in power. They're in control. Everybody looks to them like, hey, y'all are somebody. And guess what? Jesus comes along and they start getting ignored. Nobody's paying as much attention to them. They're starting to flock to Jesus and they don't like it because they're losing their position. They're losing their power. They're losing all their influence and they don't like it. And so it says, but the Jews, these are the unbelieving Pharisees who want to kill him, did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. They, they just don't believe that this is the same guy. Because remember, when we get saved, what happens? What, notice what these people said. They said, is this the man? Are you sure it's him? I don't know if it's him. He looks like him. But is it him? Now, when the guy got new eyes, what happened? It changed his appearance probably totally and completely, Right? Can you imagine a guy with sunk-in eye sockets and kind of sunk-in and whatever? I don't know how bad you'd look, but it looks pretty bad. Now all of a sudden he's got eyes. He's got eyes open, they see, and he looks totally different. And that's what happens when we trust Christ. When people see us out in the world, they, they, they say there's something different about us, right? 
Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "If any man is in Christ, as men and women, then we are a new creation. The old things are passed away. All things are new. We have a new look about us, a new way of living, a new way of acting, a new way of everything." And so these people are not sure. These Pharisees don't believe. They've probably seen this guy around all the time. But they hated him. And they felt contempt for him because he was blind and he was a beggar. And they felt like everybody who was sick and diseased, that the reason they were that way was because of sin. They had committed some kind of personal sin or their parents had. And so they do not believe until they called his parents of him who had received his sight. And the parents don't even get named. They probably don't get named because guess what? They're not even going to stand up for anything. It says, look in verse 19. And they asked them saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? So they're asking again and and they're trying to get the same answer and they don't even believe this is the same person that as a miracle really occurred. But notice what the parents say. Verse 20. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But what by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things. Because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed if anyone confessed that he was to Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. Guess what? These folks are scared. Remember, they, they, they will acknowledge that it's their son, right? They say, Yeah, we know that this is our son. But how he was healed or what happened, we don't know. <laughs> We're not going to speak up for Jesus. We're not going to jump up and down and holler and scream and say, Yeah, Jesus, He healed my son. He, he, he gave him new eyes and now he can see. And he, doesn't have, he can take care of himself and do all these things now. But he says, We don't know who opened his eyes. We don't know how it happened. He's of age. And then notice at the bottom of verse 23, he says, He is of age. Ask him twice they say that. He is of age. In other words, we're not getting caught up in this mess. We're not standing up for Jesus. We're not going to speak out. Because guess what? It says they had already the Jews. They feared the Jews. And the Jews had agreed already if anybody confessed that Jesus was the Christ, they'd be kicked out of the synagogue. They would be unsynagogued. And you know what that meant for a Jew? That meant total ignoring of you. They would ostracize you. They would put you out. They would pretend you did not exist. Even parents would disown. You ever seen some of these shows and and the parents disown the children? Or the parents dis children disown the parents. That would be what would happen is to they would be disowned. They would be disowned by their family. They'd be disowned by everybody in town. You may as well just leave town and go move somewhere else because nobody in town is going to speak to you anymore because you have been kicked out of the synagogue. You are a non-person. You don't exist. 
you are nobody. And that's what the Jews have threatened to do. If anybody says that Jesus is the Christ, they're going to kick you out. And guess what? This guy, he, he don't care, but his parents are scared. And that's probably why we don't have their names is because they are not willing to stand up for Jesus. Look at verse 24. So they, they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. This now is the fourth time they have said that this man's wrong. And so they say, Give God the glory. You remember what happened in, in Joshua 7 verse 19? You remember at, they went to the battle and what happened that man named Achan? Anybody remember Achan? Achan was the, the guy that, that when they won into battle, what did he do? He stole some of the gold and some of the nice stuff and he took some of the booty, some of the loot and he hid it in his tent. And they said the same thing to him. Give God the glory. In other words, tell us the truth. Tell us what's going on here, really. Tell us the truth. Who is this man? They said, they've already decided. We know that this man is a sinner. (laughs) They have decided that Jesus is not Messiah. He's not Savior. He's a sinner. And he answered and he said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And then they said to him again, What did he do? How did he open your eyes? That is the fourth time they've asked, How did this happen? What happened? They, they are more concerned about the fact the mechanics of what happened than the fact that this man has been healed. I mean, shouldn't they be jumping up and down for joy that this man that was blind could see? They should be, right? Instead, what are they concerned about? The fact that somebody broke their law. Their law. And so they decide that Jesus is a sinner. They say He's a sinner twice. This man's not going to be bullied. He comes back and he says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. In other words, that's what you say, but I don't know that. But he says, one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. It's amazing. The parents say, this is our son, but they say we don't know who healed him or how. The Pharisees say this man is a sinner, but we don't know who this man is. God has spoken to Moses, but we don't know where this man is from. The blind man says, I was blind, but now I see. But we don't know of this happening before. The Jews say this man is a sinner, and you don't know where he's from, and God doesn't hear sinners. See, there's a lot of we knows and you knows going on here. The only one that's starting to really get it right is the man who was born blind. Remember, he's a picture of our spiritual blindness. 
we don't always see everything clearly to begin with. We start coming to church or somebody tells us a little bit about Jesus or about something that's going on and, and we hear about the Word of God and next thing you know we, we understand a little bit and then we look a little bit more and we look a little bit more and then finally we, our eyes are open and we understand the truth. I mean, all the way back in the beginning of the Bible, it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created the light. It says in John 1.4, in Him was light. He was the one who created the light. He created everything. John, 1 John chapter 1 says, in Him was light and in Him there is no darkness. And so He is slowly opening up these, this man's eyes and showing him the truth of who he is and helping him to see what's really going on. So that's what we need to see here. The fact that, that Jesus is opening up this man's eyes and He wants us to see. He wants us to know the truth just as this man does too. These folks, these Pharisees, they are bound and determined they're going to get an answer out of them. But guess what? They don't get the answer they want. Let's read one more verse here, verse 27. He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become His disciples? (laughs) Oh man, you talk about uh, getting in their face. You notice this guy gets a little braver and a little braver, right? He's going to speak out for Jesus. And he said, you know, remember what I said? The, the Bible says in, in Matthew that these Jews, that they travel far and wide. They travel here. They travel there. They travel everywhere trying to make disciples. And when he says, do you want to be his disciples? Do you want to be follow him? Man, he just really spit in their face. Because... Uh, that's what they want. They want followers. And you know what? He gets to the heart of the matter. Guess what? Y'all fellas think y'all got a bunch of disciples. Guess what? Everybody's starting to leave y'all and follow Jesus. <laughs> That's kind of what he says. And they go, alright, so what do they do? Let's, let's read one more verse. I'm just going to read this just to finish out the section. But he says, Then they reviled him and said, You are His disciple. But we are Moses' disciples. Here's a we know again. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fella, we do not know where he's from. So let's stop right there. Think about it. Here's this man. He's getting braver and braver. And these Pharisees are expecting him to be scared of them, to be intimidated, to be backing up and saying, yes, yes, whatever you say and kowtowing to everything they want him to say and do. But guess what? This man, he's going to stand up for Jesus. And he's going to stand hard and strong. And before it's over, we're going to see he's going to get kicked out of the synagogue. He is going to be unsynagogued. But as soon as he gets unsynagogued, guess what? Jesus is going to find him. Jesus is going to speak to him about who he really is. And the man is going to believe and going to be saved. You know, and that's the way Jesus is. He opens our eyes to see who He is. 
And sometimes He uses tough circumstances, tough things in life to to bring us closer to Him, to draw us closer to Him, to open up our eyes that we might see the truth. And then one day when we see the truth and, and sometimes even when we get down to the last leg and we're laying flat on our back and we can't go any lower and there's nowhere else to look but up. And guess what? Jesus is standing there waiting on us and saying, Come on. I love you. Be my disciple. Take my yoke upon you because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. I'll give you rest. And that's what He wants to do in our lives. We don't have to be all stressed out and worried about the things in life. We don't have to worry about other people attacking us and giving us a hard time. Because Jesus said He'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. And Jesus is there when we need Him. And He will be there when we need Him. Right now... This man is standing on his own two feet and he's standing up for Jesus and he's not to the place where he really needs Jesus totally and completely, but he's beginning to see more and more who Jesus is. And that's what we need today. Is stand up for Jesus. And brighten the corner where we are. And the bottom line is, is Jesus loved us so much that He did what? He died on that cross for our sins, right? He said, I love you this much. That's how much He loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, let's pray and then we'll sing one last song. Father, we love You. We trust You. We uh, pray if there's one that doesn't know You as trusting in baptism or communion or any other thing, church membership, Lord, of good works. I've done more good than bad. Anything, Lord, other than just Jesus. Jesus said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That 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 means that we believe that He is who He said He is. That He died on the cross. And He died for our sins. That He's all God and He's all man. And there's nothing we can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But You said if we'd be like a little child and humble ourselves and cry out and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. That you would hear and answer our prayers. Father, help us to trust you more and more and more as this man began to do until he finally realized there was nothing else left but you. And he stood for Jesus and he was willing to give it all up so that he might have heaven. You said if we give up houses and land and whatever it is that, that we'll be given a hundredfold in the kingdom, that we're to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and to follow you. Thank you that you loved us and that one day it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen. Well, let's sing, uh, I want to sing number 86. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.